Greetings, this is J.R. Dickey. I hope you're having a great day. But if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. Okay, today we're going to talk about a miracle in John chapter 9 that was more than a miracle. It was really the Lord using it as a visual aid. Okay, let's go. Ouch! What are you doing? Hey, I didn't ask for this. Man, that stings. Here's this guy, born blind. He's never seen anything, anytime, anywhere. He's probably been parked there on the street by parents or friends to beg for coins or handouts. But he's not complaining. He knows nothing else, really. And then comes his time, an appointment, if you would, with his creator. Along comes Jesus with his disciples. And before you know it, they're pursuing a perplexing issue. Why was this man born blind? Now, either they knew him, or someone filled them in because there's no record of this fellow explaining his state of being born that way. In any event, the situation was theologically a hot button. For the rabbis taught that if such was the case, either the man sinned in the womb and thus deserved blindness, or else his parents sinned such that the fruit of their folly was to pass blindness onto their child. So the disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see, just as the only thing this blind fellow knew was darkness, all the disciples could fathom was what the rabbis offered. Either the man sinned or his parents. That's all they knew. And it was a kind of darkness as well, spiritual darkness. Now they were curious, what would Rabbi Jesus say? So, what Christ Jesus replied must have just zapped them. He said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Whoa! No one sinned? Lord, you mean this guy's been blind his whole life? He's begged in the streets? He's been unwelcomed in the synagogue? Also, God's works can be seen? If I were there, that's probably what I would have thought. You mean his pitiful state is somehow God's work? It doesn't add up, Rabbi. What about cause and effect? In some ways, the disciples were just as blind as this man, but perhaps at a disadvantage as well. For at least the blind man knew he was blind. Now, the Old Testament scriptures contain promises that the Messiah would open the eyes of the blind, and Jesus did that numerous times. But I submit that as great a miracle as it is to physically heal, spiritual blindness is far more consequential, and to be healed of the same far more noteworthy. Typically, though, we are so blind to the spiritual world that we undervalue it and tend to interpret God's ways, His works, and His wonders in the context of the here and now. It's all we know. We were born into it, after all, and this way we were born blind as well. When God's word says that he will do, quote, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, our minds tend first to consider temporal blessings. When we read that it is he, quote, who heals all our diseases, we first figure that means now, here in this life. We sometimes hear the pragmatist among us lightly referring to eternity as the sweet by and by or as pie in the sky, Frankly, many of us only understand the Word of God in the context of the temporal. That is, until we get 
mud in our eyes. And that's just what Christ did. Like you, I've heard a lot of good guesses as to why Jesus made mud with his spit and rubbed it into this man's eyes. Well, he could have spoken the command, Now see, or gently touched him, or used any other more dignified, if I can put it that way, way to do this miracle, but no, for this guy, he made mud, spit, and dirt. Wow, that must have stung something awful. I mean, I get one speck of dust in my eyes. I know it right away. But two points jump out at us. First, it was certainly a pragmatic way to ensure that this man, who might not have done so otherwise, would obey the command to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And why spit? I'll suggest that as the spit came from Christ's mouth, so too do the situations and sometimes muddy our own eyes. Now, I'm not talking about the situations that come to us solely as a consequence of sin, but rather the troubles and difficulties that he himself has ordained for our ultimate benefit. Sometimes dirty deals, muddy messes, yet spoken forth by his mouth. Anyway, this man has got mud in his eyes, and as with him, so with us. Washing is just what the doctor ordered in such a case. Washing by the water of God's word. Check out Ephesians 5, 26. For his word is truly enlightening. Psalms 119, 130. But this scripture washing is not just the result of scholarship. Rather, it requires receptivity and obedience. Let me repeat that. Washing isn't simply looking at the water. It isn't just learning about the water. It isn't just even in listening to the water. It is in contact with the water, immersion in the water. That is sincere receptivity and obedience. Now, some folks think that because they simply read or listen to the word, that that in and of itself is taking care of this cleansing, and that's not necessarily so. Well, reading the scriptures diligently and listening to those speaking it are absolutely critical in the life of a believer, but it doesn't stop there. Whether in the pew or the pulpit, the heart that pleases God is the one that trembles at his word, Isaiah 66, 2, and that takes heed to it, Psalms 119, 9. Now the second point. This gives us a wonderful illustration of how God gives sight to the eyes of our heart, spiritual sight. This fellow was the subject of God's attention. Christ came to him not the other way around. Jesus knew his condition and his situation. In like manner, whether you've considered yourself a seeker or not, if you're saved and a member of God's family, it's because God found you. And, guess what? Mud works. It's God's way so often with those of us who are not only blind, but satisfied with that blindness. Mud is not a healing balm, it's an irritant, and so are the situations God puts us in sometimes to eventually open our eyes. Things like heartaches, heartbreaks, tribulation and sorrow, so often they are mud in the eye. But in obedience to Jesus, this guy went to the pool of Siloam to wash. It was southeast of the old city, but who knows how far it was. Perhaps he wandered 
along the way just why this man Jesus did it this way. Have you ever wandered and wondered in tribulation? Does it seem like you're just feeling your way along sometimes? Impossible situation? Recall, no one had ever healed a person who'd been born blind before, and this guy knew it. He knew his situation was impossible, but he went. He washed, and he returned seeing. Dear friend, if you're in such a state, take courage that your siloam is reachable. God wouldn't send you there if it weren't. How far away is it? Not far. You'll make it. Wash in the water of his word. Not only will you be clean, but you will see for the first time what you never saw before, not just physically, but spiritually. You'll see, as if to punctuate the point, the Holy Spirit demonstrates to us that this man who first only knew his maker as someone called Jesus, see verse 11 of chapter 9, afterward came to see him as a healer, verse 15, then a prophet, verse 17, and then as the Son of God, verse 38. The true healing was his salvation. He saw Christ for who he is and believed. How wonderful! While the disciples were still calling Jesus rabbi, this man, once doubly blind, now called him Lord. He became heavenly-minded, so to speak. Now, one dear pastor friend of mine told me that since becoming devastatingly ill, he recognized the context of heaven and eternity in so much more of the scripture than ever before. And you know, mud does that. It leads to new eyesight as God opens our eyes to behold wondrous things. To recognize our Messiah, to better know our Father, to discern his spirit, to set our minds on things above, and truly to bear good fruit. Can you relate to this guy? Stumbling in the darkness of grief and sorrow, I came to my own siloam and began to wash and wash and wash and wash and wash. Gradually, my smoldering ember of hope reignited, and then as if by the nape of the neck, the Lord took me out of the pit and set my feet once again upon the rock. In the trembling study of his word, you will see him And be reminded of what you know. God is good. Heaven is real. His promises are sure. Your heart will recognize your Savior afresh and much more clearly. You realize that it was His hand that gently applied the mud, if you would. Now certainly we can appreciate the application of this message to those who don't know the Lord, but We as Christians can also have much more to see concerning our wondrous triune Lord. By salvation, we know him as Savior. We know him as our Lord, our King, our Maker, our Bridegroom, our Father, our Comforter, and on it goes. But can we still see more? Yes, resoundingly yes. In fact, I'm convinced that we will spend eternity doing so. You know, in heaven, the four living creatures in the book of Revelation, full of eyes around God's throne, keep saying, holy, 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 each time they see him. Clearly, they are continually astounded and awed. But here and now, in these shadows, while we are still in the tent of flesh, he will often muddy us up 
for that very same purpose, to see him more clearly. Now may the Lord grant you peace in the midst of any storm and faith to trust him. Look for our next podcast. May you realize more of his grace today.